Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. People keep asking if I'm back, and I haven't really had an answer. But now, yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. Hello and welcome to From Dial Square to Where uh, Mesut Island Discs. Uh, I'm Andrew, Andrew the Hinkley Goon, I should say, and uh, I've got two brilliant guests with me today. One that's uh, never been on the show before, and that's uh, Glenn. How are you, Glenn? Very well, thank you. Nice to be here. Fantastic. And uh, Melvin, who has been on before, but not for quite a long time. Melvin, it's great to have you back. How are you? Fine, thanks. Seems like a long time ago. Probably wasn't actually. It seems like a long time ago. Uh, thanks, for the, thanks for uh, asking me on again. Really appreciate it. No, no problem whatsoever. It's a pleasure. And um, in fact, we haven't actually spoken uh, for a little while. The last time we spoke, Melvin, you were uh, rehearsing for a play, and, and I, I presume that's all, that's all, it was all for nothing in the end. It was. Yeah, it was, it's supposed to be obviously done in March. We cancelled it. Three weeks, a week before the lockdown came. Luckily, we were. It wouldn't have been anyway. And we're doing it in November, hopefully. So all that learning those lines may have come to... I've got to say them in my head now. What, what is saying? it? What was, what was the play? No, you can't. What was me. the play? It was... What was the play? I can't remember what it's called now. It's oh. a fan... I'll get it to you later. My wife will get the book. My, I've my known the other day. It's oh, Death by Fatal Murder. That's it. Death by Fatal oh. Murder. It's really funny. My, really uh, my youngest who's 13 is a bit of an actor, and he was in Treasure Island. All uh, right. At the, at, at quite a good theatre, you know, not at West End, but quite a good theatre. And the theatre closed two days after the final performance. They just made it. Wow. Yeah, it's really lucky. Yeah, and I was supposed great. to go to Kenya to work. Um, and two days before we were due to go, Kenya shut its borders. <laughs> So it's just as well we might have been stranded out there. I wouldn't have minded personally, but I think the rest of the team might too happy about the idea. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, Glenn, <laughs> people may have music. <laughs> yeah. I bet that's a bit of a blast from the past for you, maybe. It is, but yeah, uh, yeah people may recognise you from your time on the ITV News and Sky uh, News. But uh, yeah. we've just been talking off air that uh, you've been doing your own work recently, but unfortunately that's uh, not been able to sort of go ahead. But uh, yeah, very, I mean, you must have some great stories from your time um, as a, a news reporter, a senior news reporter, I should say, and uh, you must have covered some very interesting stories in the past. Um, I mean, what sort of, uh, would you say, would be something that you mainly sort of remember uh, as, as being a sort of very exciting time to be doing your job but at uh, ITN or Sky 
What's what? Thank you. Thank you for putting it that way. Because what I hate is when people say, what was your best story or what was the most interesting no. person you've ever interviewed? But actually, I think the best time or the most interesting time was a long time ago now, but probably 1989 and the fall of the Berlin Wall, because um, mm. I covered that. And then wow. we covered the Vava Revolution in Czechoslovakia. And then we covered the fall of Ceausescu in Romania. And after that, we were looking around, you know, Eastern Europe thinking, where's next? Bulgaria looks a bit wobbly. What about Albania? But of course, the next one was the end of the Soviet Union. And that all was followed by um, First Gulf War and then the breakup of Yugoslavia. So the early 90s, you know, lots of um, wow, war zones yeah. and stuff. So that was the most kind of, I, I suppose, historic, you know, in terms of eyewitness to history time. Yeah, and all the politics I did, because I was political correspondent at Sky, so I stopped doing all that kind of mad. You know, when you're young, bags packed, mm. passport ready, that's great. But when you get married, you've got kids. Things change, you need a more sedentary lifestyle. So at Sky, I did politics. Yeah. And covering general elections was amazing. And just, you know, living through the whole of the Blair years, the Brown years and the Cameron years was um, pretty, uh, some pretty interesting times. Well, I can imagine. Yeah, I mean, for example, to... <laughs> for example, we were at the Glen Eagles summit and the news came through that Britain, you know, had won the Olympics, the London Olympics. Mm. And I've never seen Blair so happy. He was actually bouncing around like a puppy. And then the next day was the bombings in London. And I've never seen it. It was like mm. watching the Prime Minister go from the ceiling to the floor. You know, it was just that took that yeah. change to move overnight. Wow. So interesting wow. times. Lots of them. Absolutely. Thank you. I mean, obviously the times that you spent in the, you know, during the, you know, the Gulf War and, and uh, have you ever been sort of felt seriously under threat during those times? It must be very dangerous places to, that you've been to during there and then. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I felt scared, but never really kind of, you know, they're shooting at me because generally they didn't. Although in um, Yugoslavia, that changed because the Serbs were targeting Western journalists. But I've never been in a position where I felt, you know, they're aiming at us. But I've certainly been well, scared. Well, no, but you still, anything can happen, can't it? Yeah, 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 it can, yeah. I've been scared a few times, but, but you, you know, you take a risk assessment and you, you make a judgment. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I bet we could do a whole show just on some stories that you've actually, uh, you know, that you've got. Well, I keep getting told. I keep getting told to write the. I keep getting told to write the book, but I'm too lazy. I'm supposed to be writing it through (laughs) lockdown, but it's not happening. I just watch telly instead. It's terrible. Just dictate it. Get get someone to ghostwrite it for you. That's what I should do. Yeah, (laughs) just tell it. Yeah, you're right. Right. Well, again, off. uh, Offline before we started, we've uh, had a quick chat about how long we've all been um, sort of Arsenal fans, and I can tell you that you know without giving everyone's age away, it's been a long time since we've all been Arsenal fans. I think there's quite a lot of years between a lot of us, and uh, there's going to well be a lot of stories. Between, well over yeah. between us, it's very just much so. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. So um, we've all got, we've all got our own different stories, uh, but um, just quickly. Get, Thank you, Stan. Uh, good morning from Vancouver, he said. Well, good morning to you as well, Stan. Uh, evening here, obviously. But uh, we're going to move on to the um, whole reason for the show today. And uh, it's, the idea came for me about um, doing this after watching the Ian Wright uh, Desert Island Discs. And um, during the time that we're in at the moment with absolutely no football whatsoever, it just made sense to perhaps do a, an Arsenal slant on the old uh, classic Desert Island Discs, which I call Mesa Island Discs no, for no other reason than it rhymes. 
Um, <laughs> it's got nothing to do with Mesut uh, Ozil unless you choose it to be. Um, but the schedule being that uh, there's one Arsenal goal that you can watch um, on repeat as often as you like whilst you're on the desert island. One um, game that you'd love to be able to watch over and over again that you'll never get tired of. There's something that's special to you, maybe. Um, there's a game that you're able to wipe from history, just to throw in there, that, that maybe never happened, or you could change the result of. Um, and then we move on to a bit of uh, the musical theme, uh, which goes along the Desert Island Discs uh, type of uh, area, which is uh, one song that you would use to summarise the Wenger era for you. One go uh, same way for the Unai Emery era, and one for how you're feeling potentially. I know there's a bit of projection to do, but how you're feeling generally uh, uh, with the very early days of the Arteta era as well. Uh, so let's move on to um, you first, Melvin. Uh, yeah. With, the, with your choice for the goal, what goal would you be happy on the desert island to be able to watch whenever you wanted over and over again? Well, this one is, uh, there's loads of Wenger ball goals that I could have chosen. But this is, take away from it here, but let's go before that. The one I love watching time and time again was the Liam Brady one away to Spurs when we beat them 5-0. Mm. We oh. took it and smashed it in the top corner. And also, I loved about that, was the celebration. Mm. I don't know if you recall, we went to the Arsenal fans, obviously, to run the goal. Yeah. And then he was running back the halfway line. And the Spurs fans were giving him a lot of verbal. And he just stopped, went towards them, put his arms out to them, just stared at them. And they were trying to get over the fence. I mean, it was just a great moment. It was amazing. <laughs> and uh, that was a, that, that goal. And it was a little build-up we had as well. And it was just fantastic. It, it wasn't the last goal. It was a fourth goal out of the game. But it just, uh, that should have been the last goal. It was so good. Well, it just showed the world how good he was at that particular point as well, didn't it? It really brought him to the forefront of the at the time, and just yeah, it's a fantastic. Come on, what amount of curl he got on that was just beautiful. Yeah, and bear, bearing in mind that if that was in this day and age, it wouldn't be so uncommon the amount of curl That's he got right. on that ball. But very those true. balls they were playing with at the time, very very hard to do, <laughs> very very hard to do. And, uh, what about you, Glenn? Uh, what was your thoughts on well, your that, favourite that goal? Fantastic. That was a fantastic goal, and I was really spot for choice. If we're talking about the Wenger, you know, uh, Wenger ball, you know, that, that um, Jack Wilshire goal against Norwich, the tippy tappy mm. from Santi and the yeah. Radio Giroud, that was phenomenal. But I think also you'd know, have to include, you know, um, Bergkamp's amazing goal against Newcastle, the famous one where he lobbed the defender and then hit it in on, on the body. Yeah. Any goal by Thierry Henry, I mean, they're all amazing. <laughs> and I also really enjoyed. The whole cup final, we were 2-0 down, if you remember, after less than 10 minutes. And everyone around me was despairing. And I said to my son, who was about 8 or 9 or something at the time, it's all right, it's only Hull, we'll come back, we'll win it. And then Santi scored that great free kick on about 25 minutes. That was yeah. amazing. But my favourite, the one I'd watch again and again and again, such a cliche, but it's got to be Michael Thomas Anfield 89. Yeah. It's got to be. It's got to be the one. You know, just the most... I was... Um, I was working, I've been working on the, um, I covered the Hillsborough disaster that year, and I was working on the inquiry in Sheffield. And my uh, pitch register was a guy called Ronnie Lateman, who was an even more mad Arsenal fan than I am. And we just finished our piece for News of 10, and we were watching the game, you know, on a separate monitor. And uh, we hadn't yet fed it, so we hadn't yet um, sent it by satellite to London. 
And he just went absolutely bonkers. He went running around the hotel, ran down to reception, kissed all the receptionists, male or female, and was just running around the place. And I had to, sort of, I had to reel him in and get him to press the buttons to feed this thing before we could go out and get properly drunk. <laughs> but that was just um, such an amazing, amazing moment. And, you know, and against all the odds, as we've all seen the film, right? And we know yeah, the story. Yeah, against yeah. all the odds, against all the odds to go to Anfield at that time and win by two goals. And in the last minute, you couldn't make it up. It's just incredible. I, I don't know about you two, but when, when he kicked the ball, when he was through, Thomas, he kicked the ball, I was like, the world had stopped. Everything was in slow motion. Yeah. And my brain, I went to this day, I was slowly getting off the set there you go, like the film. You know, I was slowly getting off the set I was thinking, yeah. what if he misses? Yeah. You know, that would be my, I wouldn't watch football again. I'd be so upset if he misses. it. would be so close. Oh my God, yes. Uh, oh yeah, and he seems to take forever to do it, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I listened to a podcast today where he was on, which is the um, the Athletics podcast with Amy Lawrence and uh, James McNicholas, the Handbrake Off, and he was on there today with Lee Dixon as well. And oh. it's just so so calm, it's so cool and calm. Yeah. It's just, like, I, I, it just seemed like time stopped when he was just like, just yeah. shoot the ball, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he knew yeah, exactly yeah. what he was doing. Yeah. But honestly. His calmness in that situation was unbelievable. But apparently, David Rocastle, who's my favourite player, um, at the time he thought it was there was about twenty minutes to go. Really? <laughs> They'd lost all. Yeah, because there's no clocks in the stadium or nothing. There was no countdown, or no wow. one knew how long that was left at that point. I mean, I'm not saying all the players thought it was 20 minutes left. No, David Rocastle just thought, oh, I thought there was about 20 odd minutes left, and. When he realised, yeah, I mean, he said he, when he actually realised that how what the time was, he just couldn't physically. His legs just locked up. He couldn't move his legs. He was that racked with Shocked. stress. Yeah, Shocked. it was just yeah. Uh, what a moment. I mean, I I've have told this before, and apologies to anyone that's listening on uh, audio after the event or listening to But on that night, I, I stood stood up and went to race out to the garden, and I kicked the bottom of my sofa and broke my toe. When that goal, <laughs> the goal went in, and I just like I was just like so high on the moment. I didn't really care at that point. I just still carried on running outside, just hobbling, and uh, yeah, it's very very painful afterwards after the event. But I didn't care at all at that point. Yeah, yeah what a moment! That's uh, you can't really say anything against that. Uh, either of those two goals, brilliant, both brilliant goals, brilliant moments as well. Yeah. Now I'll stay with you on uh, for the next one, Glenn. I'll um, go to you first on the game that you're happy to watch, um, well, you know, uh, all the time, well, over and over I hate, to be boring. I, hate to be, I hate to be boring and repetitive, but it's that game as well. It's the Anfield yeah. 89 game, because yeah. it was just, the backstory is so incredible. You know, Liverpool hadn't won in months, uh, they hadn't lost in Anfield in months, they hadn't lost at all for a long time. And, uh, you know, we were slipping. Uh, well, we, we, I think we lost and drawn our previous two games against Wimbledon and Derby. You know, it should have been six points. We should have been kept champions. Okay, we had to go there. And not only win, but we had to win by two clear goals. Mm. A whole backstory. Yeah. And then what a fantastic game. Even watching it, knowing the result, you know, which is, you know, usually a bit boring because there's none of that tension. You still feel the tension, even, <sighs> you know, watching it now. Still feel that kind of every moment of that game was so intense, mm. especially in the second half. And, and you know, the most phenomenal ending. I mean, you could, as I said earlier, you could not write it. You couldn't make it up. You, people wouldn't believe you. 
So yeah. that's my favourite. Uh, that's what, that's certainly one game you can never ever get tired of. I mean, again, after a before we started rather today, and uh, I said I'm not really one for watching old games because there's no jeopardy. Uh, mm. It's just a bit, you know, what's going. That game obviously is completely separate from that. <laughs> I mean, you can never get tired of that. And um, if you put a script in for a book, it would get rejected, wouldn't it? I mean, it was yeah, just the fact absolutely. that yeah. Uh, yeah. it was yeah. the weird. The, Unbelievable. Yeah, because of Hillsborough, it shouldn't, it, should, it shouldn't have happened then, that match. It should have happened yeah. uh, you know, a couple of months before, shouldn't it? In April, yeah. I think. Um, yeah, that's right. It, it, the fact that it was after, it was the last game, everyone else, all the other footballers were on holiday already. Uh, it was after the season had finished, technically. So, yeah, it was just mental the way it's all uh, all went out. But yeah, I, yeah, I totally was appreciate it. Is that the first time that league game had been on live on television I think it was and I think that was the, someone I read somewhere that Sky realised how many people watched it that Friday night they thought oh we got onto something here perhaps we should get involved and that's why Sky got involved yeah oh, well we watched it live so I don't know if it was the first but it was definitely I think it was live. the first I think it was the first mm. amazing yeah I know and um, yeah it's the first time they ever put a, a clock on the TV screens as well counting down uh, with about 10 minutes to go. It never happened before, apparently. Yeah. But also, another weird thing is, they sort of cut to the 10 o'clock news on time. They didn't sort of extend it like they would nowadays. I think they cut yeah. and they cut all the celebrations off the TV. I, I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. they did. Yeah, the game was over about quarter to two, wasn't it? Or something, about quarter to ten, so it was all right. Uh, it was a Friday got... night. And it was never been up on Friday night. Yeah, so by the time I got was... Ronnie to calm down, feed our material for the ten o'clock news, it was about five two. <laughs> so yeah, and then the, yeah, everyone cuts to the ten o'clock news. Well, you, you couldn't script that better either because everyone going out and celebrating got all weekend. Then, didn't you? <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, fan wise, it was just perfect. I mean, I was a bit <laughs> too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I drove through Highbury that evening. We met some friends. We drove to Highbury and celebrate for a couple of hours. It's fantastic. Carnival. Yeah. Like, you know, 11, yeah. 12, it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, unfortunately, I was 16 right. at the time. And, uh, yeah, I was a bit too, just that tiny bit too young to go out and get leathered. But, well, I wasn't. But <laughs> I don't tell my mum and dad that. But anyway, <laughs> let's um, go to your game then, Melvin. Uh, what's uh, your choice for a well, game? Well, that you some game that I really appreciate, you know, it's, it's summed up Arsenal at the time, this game, what we're all, all our values, which I think we've lost now. It's when we played away to Manchester United, beat them 1-0 for the, when we won the league, we were tour, scoring the winner. The reason being, we're at the they were the champions at the time, though we were higher than them in the league, we needed a draw, only a draw, and you say only a draw, Old Trafford then was a very good result, but we needed a draw to win the league, but they were trying, like they normally did, when they couldn't beat us with football, when we were a better football team than them, they tried to mm. kick us off the park. Yeah, as usual. And the way we stood up, I've seen that game recently, the way we've act, we stood up to them, we gave it back to them, and we beat them, Not we levelled with them on, on the way they tried to kick us off the park, and we actually beat them with football. You know, Vieira that day was immense. Mm. He ran the midfield. You know, I know the team was on the other side, but he, he just ran that midfield. And we had... Heroes that you don't normally talk about, like Wiltord, for example. His running was fantastic. Off the ball, he's moving into space, holding the ball up, beating players. 
and also Carmel played up front. We didn't have Henri that game as well. No, and we didn't I know. Have Adam yeah. that game. You know, so well, it was a mean feat. You know, we had people like Edu coming in. Was, I thought fantastic footballer, but we mm. just and I was also I too who played well that game. I mean, they all played well. Let's face it, but really stepped up to the plate with Parla, an unsung hero, really. Because in that team we had world class players, and Parla was a fantastic player. But being a fantastic player to what the world class player, there was a little bit of a gap. So people yeah. forgot about. But what he did for that team was fantastic over the years. He was very, yeah. very underrated, as was exactly. Eddie, as you mentioned. Um, yeah, yeah. I, the Romford Pelé. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I um I mentioned the name of James McNicholas earlier and uh, Gunner blog. He said once on um, I can't remember which podcast it was on, whether it was the Ask Blog or whether it was the Handbrake Off one. But he he actually said, "I'd rather watch Ray Parler." Then watch Mesut Özil uh, most of the time, and he explained it, and I, I totally get that because he, what he lacked in technical ability, Ray Parler, he, he more than made up for in heart and hard work, and his work ethic was incredible. You know, yeah. and, and he could yeah. play as well. He could play oh, as no, well. No, don't. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying yeah. he's a, a poor player by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm saying if you compare. The technical ability of someone like Mizzet Ozil yeah. against him, obviously he does like yeah. that. But I'm not saying he's a bad player at all. But yeah, his heart and his desire and his, uh, you know, he never gave anything but his all for the, the for the badge. He also, he also scores. He also scores some great goals. But yeah, oh, yeah. He, he was one of those yeah. players with you know fire in his belly, and that's one of the problems we have with Mizzet Ozil for the silky skills. He doesn't seem to have that kind of grit and that determination to, you know, I mean, let's look at Alexis Sanchez, who I thought in his first season for us was phenomenal. Every mm. time he lost the ball, he was like the kid in the playground who's, you've nicked his ball. He's going to oh. get it back. Oh, you yeah. know, and Ray Parler had that and Mesut Ozil just doesn't have that and it's really frustrating. It was another comparison between the two is that um, if you played away to United or away to Liverpool, who would you rather have in the team? Mm. Yeah, Ray Parler every time. Only one like player to... in the play for you. You know, it's all right yeah, playing for the lower teams, perhaps, than away to a very low team, Mesut like Ozil. But yeah. when it matters, the away to Chelsea's, Liverpool, Man United, you can yeah. name it. Parler. You play, you play him at home against Lugarets. Play him at home mm. against Lugarets. He'll score. Yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. carry a bag or someone. Yeah. Well, hello, Ray, as well. Thanks for watching. And, um, Ryan as well, and Stan, obviously. Stan, Ray said um, he enjoys all the North London derbies and the many 5-2 wins, but the one with Sanya, uh, where he started to come back, very good match as well. Uh, Stan's yeah. put Will Tord also was a very underrated player. We well, totally, yeah. totally agree. Agree with that, and yeah. He had very few, I don't say very few games that season, but he did play quite a lot. But when you can just bank on someone like that when Henri's out, and Carnu uh, was only a... A sort of a squad player, if you like, as well. He was never a starter, but they—I mean—the work they put in on that that night was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, another one raised put is beating Barca at home two-one. Well, I mean, that was an incredible night. And stands put Ray Parler was very unlucky with with England caps as well. He, re he really was, and um, he was obviously competing at the time with mainly David Beckham, wasn't he? And uh, mm. uh, skulls, skulls. Yeah, well, Ray Parler was more on the right for England, wasn't he? I don't think he was ever yeah, considered was, as, yeah. as a central player, which is a, 
It's a shame, yeah. but yeah, I totally totally agree, Stan. He was very unlucky with England caps. Um, now we had that with Hoddle, didn't we? He had that aggravation with Hoddle. That's why. Yeah, it's short back inside. Uh, yeah. That was hilarious. I love that story. And uh, I mean, the Ray Parler story that gets me every time is the one where it was Keown and it was the, the last game of the uh, Invincible season. And Martin Keown had to get on. He'd already arranged it to go on for the last couple of minutes so he can get his 10th appearance, so he can get a medal. And um, Ray Parler had... Uh, <laughs> He noticed him. He kept going up and down, up and down to remind Wenger to put him on. And he kept saying to Ray Parler, he's going to forget. He's going to forget. You know, he's not going to put me on. I'm not going to get... And uh, it got to literally within the last two or three minutes of the game and he was panicking like mad that he weren't going to get on. And Ray Parler got up, started stripping off. And he said, what are you doing? <laughs> he said, oh, Wenger said they'd be on. And he was just winding up. And... and Keown got so wound up, he literally got Arsene Wenger around the neck and said, you're not putting him, you're getting me on. And he just winded him up all along and he just thought it was hilarious. That's what Ray Parler all over, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, it's probably my favourite story of him. Now, um, Glenn, it's your go and I'd like to go to you with the, the one Arsenal game that you'd be quite happy to wipe from history as if it never happened or you know, change the result of. Uh, which okay. one would you go for? There's plenty as an Arsenal fan, unfortunately. Well, I've, I've, chosen, I've, chosen, I've chosen three, uh, but I'll tell you which is number one. But the three mm. are the Champions League final, mm. Barcelona, you know, change the result. Yeah. On, yeah. Henri scores when he's clear through on goal. I mean, you put your house on him to score that goal. Yeah. And then we mm. score a winner. Um, in second place, the game that ended the Invincibles, the, one, uh, the, the loss at Old Trafford, which oh, was an absolute yeah. travesty of justice. Oh. And Mike Riley should be, you know, hung from the nearest lamppost. Um, I mean, that was just, just you were talking earlier, um, Melvin, about you know Man United trying to kick us off the pitch. I mean, the number of fouls they should have had at least two red cards. I mean, it's exactly. just unbelievable that game. Yeah, and the penalty was a dive, and it's just very frustrating. Yeah. And it just, you know, and it just, otherwise we'd be singing 59-59 undefeated, and it just was so frustrating. But the one, the one game. That really pisses me off. I really wish I could wipe from history. Also, at Old Trafford. I'm sure you know which one. Eight to two. Yeah, that was oh my, my choice. That was my choice. Oh my yeah. god. Oh, I just you know couldn't believe my. I was just I was I was behind the sofa <laughs> like mm. this. Yeah, <laughs> well, didn't we? There, eight two and a six one. Mm. Yeah, six one wasn't very clever either. Yeah. The eight two yeah. was the one. Oh my god, eight goals, Jesus. I. I mean, we was that was the end of being uh, pretty much the end of the the massive rivalry between Arsenal and Man United that uh, that, that was so good, so yeah. brilliant, and that's why I chose it. And I think it was a, I think it really kicked everyone in the gut massively um, in the squad and and Wenger himself. And uh, yeah, I, I think yeah. it's horrendous, absolutely horrendous, yeah. and it's just so definitely, huge, definitely, definitely, definitely. Yeah, we'll uh, going back to your choice of your favourite game, actually, Melvin, with the the two nil, uh, sorry, the one nil Old Trafford. I beg your pardon. In, in O2. Yeah. Uh, I had Adrian Clark on last week on, on the right, show, yeah. and um, that. Yeah. he did one of his tactical breakdowns on that match, um, which I still I haven't had the chance to watch. It was I think he it went live on Friday. He put it out um, because it was the um, anniversary of it. I think at that point as well. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the first half, I mean, my God, I, I remembered it 
pretty much correctly. First, like you said, Glenn, first 20 or 30 minutes, they could have had three sendings off, three red cards. And, it's, yeah. I mean, we had real backbone at that point. Now, we'll go back to the your game. You like to wipe off the face of the earth, Glenn, which I agree with, the 8-2. It was chalk and cheese. I mean, how can we have yeah. two? How can we just sort of change so badly? It was just... Um, horrific it was horrible to watch horrible i know it's a few few bad defeats in the past but that was the worst for me i think and uh i totally agree yeah. with you uh, what about you melvin well my one my i mean that that barcelona one i went to that game yeah that 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 was a horrible with i was sitting behind the goal when Henri had that chance it was a nice fight would smash it in the net and for some reason he smashed it the keeper you know he had plenty of time as well but anyway that's gone the one that really hurt me more than the 8-2 because after the fifth goal i would given up anyway so you know don't worry about you know that was horrible to watch but the one that is a if in my opinion is a what if game our history might have changed obviously the Barcelona one but when we uh, the semi-final when Giggs scored that goal in 1999 we had everything going for us we had the momentum we were lucky to be one all to be honest with you but after that we had the momentum we were keen sent off then we had Dennis Bergkamp to take a penalty. Game over. And he missed the penalty. And just everything, my shoulders dropped. You seem like the player's shoulders dropped. And can you imagine that team, a player beating five of our defenders? He, he should have been left with no teeth in his mouth, really. Mm. In old days, yeah. you know. But we let him, so. uh, no one let him brought him down. Mm. No one brought him down. Martin, that, put, really. sat, sat Martin Keown on his ass. It was embarrassing. Yeah. And you think about it, that was, you know, we'd have probably been biased, won the final. And that would have stopped them doing the treble. And we were in the league with them as well. And it would have given us momentum to beat them in the league. So we could have done, we were that close, I believe, to doing the double again. And yeah. that game sport it. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, it was what a game that was. It was an incredible, exciting game. Such high quality. I, I think yeah. it, but yeah, I mean, I, I can't disagree with you. And Lee Dixon has said several times he'd never forgive himself for that. He should have just chopped him down. And um, everyone said, just take yeah. him down. Take one, take, take him out. out. Yeah. Normally, yeah, he wouldn't have done that. Sorry? On a normal day, he would have done that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't, you know, I don't get it at all. But um, yeah, that was a real knock, wasn't it? And uh, I, I, I can't disagree with you. I think we could have gone on to do the double. Um, there's been so many, so many times where we've just uh, had such, we've had seriously bad luck as well with injuries, really bad, which has really derailed us in the past, where we could have won two, maybe three more leagues, I reckon. Um, well, you got yeah. the game. That was yeah. so unlucky. Not only Eduardo breaking his leg, which was a nightmare, obviously. Horrendous. But in that game, we were 2-1 up and coasting. And Adebayor, all he had to do was put it three feet to his right to Bentner. And he was an open goal to make it 3-1, game over. And he decided to take it on himself. You might think he was greedy, but a couple of weeks before that, they'd had a, nearly a punch-up on the pitch. Mm. Sort of against so, and also, in the last minute when they got their equaliser, Birmingham... Cliché, yeah. The guy came behind him, if you remember. He was yeah. clearing the ball, caught the guy, the guy, and then the referee gave a penalty, which is... I wish, you know, did Cliche have eyes in the back of his head? I don't think so. But the yeah, but he, he could did. have cleared it, couldn't he? No, it's just, he it's could just have done it, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. he made it hard for him. He did it, wasn't he? And... 
since we're depressing ourselves, what about the League Cup final against Birmingham? Just, I was just gonna, and, um, literally just going to say that. That would have changed a lot as well, I think. Oh. I've heard so many players' accounts of that. And again, on different podcasts recently, um, the Arsenal podcast that just started doing the lockdown one, and they interviewed um, Koscielny. Not Koscielny, um, Chesney. Chesney. Yeah. And I, th- I mean, the accounts that you hear of that uh, game, everyone was much more demoralised you could never imagine. And yeah. a lot of... If it, Winning becomes a habit, doesn't it? The same as you know anything else. And I think if we could have just taken so much momentum from that, you know, that winning that cup yeah. uh, could have given us so much belief. You know, it's well documented how um, Alex Ferguson nearly lost his job, blah blah blah, and they won the league cup, didn't they? And in his the first FA season, Cup, oh, FA FA cup. cup sorry, they nearly got beaten George... in the FA cup by a low team, and Robin scored the equaliser yeah. right in the end. And won they were attacking that night. Yeah, they got yeah. beat, but they exactly. drew them on leg. But look at the difference it made with um, George Graham winning the the League Cup in his first proper full season as well. Yeah. It did. It, yeah, it could have made so much difference, and uh, I think it was yeah. a really bad, bad defeat that was. Terrible. And what did what is the Chesney what does the Chesney say about it? Because it was just a complete mix up between him and Chesney. He, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, he's. I, mean, I really like Chesney. He's a real character. Isn't yeah, me he? too. Yeah, he yeah, says yeah, that yeah, he. Great. He blames Koscielny, Koscielny blames him, and they'll never agree on it, uh, basically. But it was just poor communication between the two of them, wasn't it? Really poor. But it wasn't Koscielny's first or last mistake, really, was it, in a big game? So I'm not knocking the guy. I thought he was a good, good solid defender overall, but he did make a, a few sort of... I, 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 think just looking at, I think just looking at it, it's up to the goalkeeper to give a clear shout. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just my view. I know nothing, you know, but yeah. I'm interested to know what they what they say about it. But yeah, yeah. That's, that's probably true, Glenn, but we should have been, not on the day, we didn't play particularly well, but we played Birmingham. And Birmingham, I think, got relegated yeah. that year. We yeah, should have yeah, been yeah, we doing up before that mistake was made. Absolutely before. right. So, you know. Yeah, it was poor. Absolutely. It was poor. And Stan, the man he's put, Willie Young would have dealt with Giggsy. Yeah, and that's for sure. How do you think he would have done? Yeah. <laughs> that was hilarious, actually. Um, right, so let's get rid of all the depressing, well, not all the depressing things. I'm sure we've got some more to come, unfortunately. But um, let's move on to the music side of things. And let's go for you first this time, Melvin. And if you give us a song... To summarise your whole th- the overall thoughts on the Venga era, I know a lot of people try and cut it down in the middle and have two Venga eras, the early part, the latter part. But let's just give an overall thought about the whole era of Ven- under Venga. Well, I, I I chose a song that perhaps cuts it in half anyway. Uh, it's a song that probably not a lot of people have heard of. There's a group called Led Zeppelin. Obviously, you've heard of them. <laughs> yes. Show my age. Uh, but they did a song, well, they loads a song, actually, a great one. It was called yeah. uh, Good Times, Bad Times. Mm, that's a really good choice, yeah. yeah. Yeah, very good. Don't ask me to sing it, will you? No, 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 no. No, no we won't, we're don't worry. No, I want to <laughs> keep some viewers and listeners that would be fun. Thank you. Yeah, so, <laughs> that's a great, I mean, you don't have to say any more, really, do you? That's a perfect choice. But, um, yeah, I like to, I like to, Think on the positive side when I look back, personally, you know, on, on the whole sort of thing. I never thought I'd see football 
under an Arsenal team like I saw under the Wenger, and I like to remember those sorts of times. It was just incredible at times, wasn't it? Um, what about you, Glenn? Well, it's got to be 49-49 undefeated. That's my <laughs> Wenger song. Got to yeah. be. That's the Wenger song. Mm, absolutely. Or well, he's got a magic hat. Well, it started yeah. with Georgie Graham, of course. But um, yeah, but yeah. The FA, the, FA, the FA Cup belongs to Arsene. Yeah, I agree. He's got a magic yeah, hat. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. When my when I started taking my son to football, he, um, he watched a bit of a Graham era, like, uh, and then Wenger came along. And after about three or four years, two or three years of Wenger, I looked at him and says, "Jerome, I says, you'll never see football like this again." He thought I was mad. Mm. I said, "I'm telling you, you will never see." football like this again as long as you watch football and I'm afraid I was right yeah Mm. even the latter part of Wenger's years as manager there was still some thrilling highs but there was some don't get me wrong there was some very sad memories as well and I feel terrible the way it ended um, in lots of ways for him Um, but we still interspersed with that even during his worst period we still won the FA Cup three years out of four it was just we'll never see that sort of thing again and I I actually distinctly remember myself thinking at one point that I almost had to pinch myself the football I was watching on a pitch and my choice of um, match I'd like to watch over and over again it was a 7-0 match against the middle uh, no Middlesbrough it actually was because oh. we and I chose that one over the Everton one because of the we actually had a, a terrible defence out that day and Middlesbrough were actually quite good at the time like with Viduka and Mendieta and all that sort of stuff and uh, I was really quite worried at that point because we had um, Pascal Seagan at left back and we had um, Juru and Senderos at centre half oh, and God. um I know, and I, and I was just blown away with the whole performance. And we were four 0 up at half time, and you know how often, so often, you see a, a match that's four 0 at half time. It'll just be no goals in the second half. It just fizzles out, or maybe one maximum. But we just we didn't. Obviously, we went and just scored another three in the second half. We're ruthless, and it was scintillating mm. football. And like I said last week. Um, it was during that time where an opposition corner against us would count as a goal-scoring chance for us. Yeah. yeah. Where we could, seven seconds later, it was in the back of their net because we broke so beautifully. And, um, yeah, it, I say, I, th- I thought at the time, I distinctly remember at that match saying, I have really got to enjoy this because... This is something that's not going to last forever. And I remember thinking that to myself at the time, that how lucky I was to be able to watch football like this under an Arsenal team. So, um, overall, that's how I sort of like to remember the Wenger era. Um, so, even, yeah. even, in the, even, even in the later years, you know, we won the FA Cup, as you said, three times in four years, which is a phenomenal mm. thing to do. But even yeah. in the later years, there were just moments of pure magic. The Norwich goal. You know, Jackie Walsh's yeah. goal against yeah. Norwich being one. Aaron Ramsey's goal against Fulham when he started and completed that amazing oh, move. There mm. was just little moments when you saw glimpses of what had been before. Yeah, we did. We still mm. went out and scored three or four on loads of occasions, didn't we? Even during when yeah. football was pretty dire. We could still rip teams apart on occasions. And uh... yeah. and we could have won the league, you know, we could have won the league, but for Leicester having that freak year, you know, we... I think we could have won the league for about 
I think there was several opportunities yeah, where we yeah, could have won the league, and we were just yeah. terribly yeah. unlucky with the, with so many injuries, terrible yeah. injuries to so many players at one point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's the Wenger era songs uh, from both of you. Now we move on to the Unai Emery era songs, and I'll go to you first this time, Glenn. What song would well, you use for that? It's it, it's an Arsenal song again, and it's 1-0 to the Arsenal. But the difference being that we'd sing it during the Emery year, year and a half, whatever it was, with irony. You know, it used mm. to be that 1-0 to the Arsenal meant, you know, there's no way you're going to score. Uh, that's it, game over. Tony Adams will not let you score a goal. Now, now it, or then, it was you know one 0 to the Arsenal with a bit of tongue in cheek and a bit of irony because we're probably going to lose this game four <laughs> one. Um, yeah. If I had to choose just a general song, it would probably be "Yesterday" by Paul McCartney. Because <laughs> mm, you were longing for it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly, exactly. Uh, longing for it. But uh, yeah, one 0 to the Arsenal, tongue in cheek. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've already said. Before my my choice for that would be Heaven Knows I'm Miserable Now by the Smiths. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what would be yours, Melvin? Mine would be a status quo one, down, down, deeper and down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good one. Um, it's but when you're right. Up this year, if it had carried on and he's still been our manager. Oh, you, know, you, know what, you know what, in the, the first season, I mean, when he arrived, you know, I thought he was a really good... Um, probably in a minority, but I thought he was a really good choice. He'd won the Europa League three times with Sevilla. We got to the Europa League final and then fucked up big time. Sorry, am I allowed to swear? Messed yeah, up course. big time in Baku. No, and swear as much as you like. That is another game, actually, that would yeah. go in the you know in the bin with the, with the others yeah. we mentioned earlier. Yeah. Oh, God, that was awful. We beat Napoli and Valencia home and away in the quarter and semi-finals, and we went and did that in Baku. It's unbelievable. But he got us to the Europa League final. I know we came fifth, but it could easily have been top four. And then his first season, particularly we won the Europa League, won that final, it would have been a great success. All those little things to to careers turn and fate turns. Well, and, we you know, know. He could have gone on to be a great Arsenal manager. You never know. I think it was down to the White Witch, obviously. It was, uh, that's, what, that's his excuse. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Let's face it. You say Pippen could have come full. We should have come fourth. We got in a position. No, we should have come third. Two, two point. Yes, you could have done exactly. We needed two well, points out of about four games. We had yeah, we had Brighton. Well, was it Palace? Brighton, Palace and Brighton, 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 Brighton at home and lost three two and drew one one. It was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And horrendous. For me, I thought no. And the final wasn't that confident. You know, you want to be confident. You're an Arsenal supporter. I wasn't that confident. And we went down. Know. We whimpered out, didn't we? Let's face it. That was probably our worst final performance I've seen. Mm. Why were you not really? confident? Because the La league form running up to that the last seven games, you were absolutely useless. That's why. Yeah. That's we had two weeks, weeks to prepare, though. Two weeks after the final oh. game uh, to prepare yeah. for that final. And that's how we performed. And I'd say half-time, we were just slightly ahead on points if it was a positive yeah. match. Yeah. yeah. And to go in at half-time, that is where the manager earns their money. <laughs> And he was used. I mean, yeah. what did he say to them at half time? Because we got we, yeah. we conceded immediately and we capitulated. Like, well, they reckon at half time, they reckon at half time what happened the subtitles machine went wrong and the players can understand it. Yeah, well, well, that's we heard that from all the way through. And he started so well because we were all a bit bored of Wenger always putting on the subs on the 70th minute and all that. And uh, Emery seemed to actually change things in mid game. <laughs> 
which you know Wenger had stopped doing, and he would make half-time substitutions and so on. So I don't know where it went wrong for him. Maybe just his confidence got shot, or maybe it was, as some players have said, that they just couldn't understand what he was telling them. Mm. I don't know. But that's just, of course. I, I felt it started well and then just went, you know. I think they lost quite badly. They weren't playing for him then at the end. Sorry, weren't playing for him. No, no. I no, they weren't towards the end, no, for sure. If they'd have done the right thing and got rid of him after the Europa League final, I think we could have had a... Well, obviously the way things have turned out, we don't even know where they're going to finish this season. But um, we could have had the whole summer under Arteta I think it would have been in a better position And but I just thought I just think he's a I mean Stan the Man said my Emery song would be Fall on the Hill and I, yeah. I, you know and it's, Ray says is there a song like a tale of two halves yeah. I mean the worst I mean imagine well nowhere man this season and obviously it seems like so many years it seems like years ago to me I mean, can you remember the the Watford game where we're two 0 up at half time, and we the worst second half performance I think I've ever seen. It's even worse yeah. than like the, the Europa League final in lots of ways. And uh, yeah. what else going Troy on? Yeah. Uh, thirty odd or twenty to thirty shots in that second half. I think uh, they did. Yeah, before that Watford game as well, we were not hosting. We were lucky to be lucky, one, honestly. We didn't mm. play that well. Two goals, but then. Second half of the year, we did that. Look, we knew what was going on. We had about four or five times in the game. We just ran it out from the back and they could get the ball off of it. We never stopped doing that. And all of a sudden, they scored the first goal from it and then it was all over. So we knew our backs were against the wall. They had the uh, momentum and that was it. Another goal. We got penalty, I think. But yeah, penalty. Finish up. We're lucky to get a draw out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Let's move on to the next one, uh, which hopefully... I don't know what that noise is. I think I think it's you, actually, Glenn. I've just muted your mic, so I think it's coming from you. Um, yeah, I don't know what it is. But anyway, let's um, move on to the your thoughts on the future under Arteta and what song you would choose for that. Um... I'll go to you first, Glenn. That's easy. We are the champions. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I like it. I like it. I like your optimism. Yeah, that's the song for it. Yeah. Well, listen, we're undefeated in 2020 in the yeah. league. Yeah, well, I think we're the only team that was as well, aren't we? Yeah. I I can't help but be really enthused personally as well. But what, what about you, Melvin? Mine's uh, really asking the question about Arteta. My one. It's an old one. It's a bit cheesy. To warn you. That's all it's, right. Uh, now that we've found love, what are we going to do with it? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. That's a really good choice, yeah. actually. Really like that. Great. Yeah. That's a very good uh, good song, that is. For... I I uh, chose What a Wonderful World, which just because of the, the way it makes me feel and I think I'll, I'll feel excited. Uh, obviously, I'm being optimistic because we don't know how it's going to happen, but I've just got so much faith in the guy. Um, the way he comes across, the way he is with the players, the way he talks, it's just, I believe him. I believe what he says. So do I. I think he, I completely got... 
loads of faith in him. Now, the only th I think if he's backed by the board, we're on to a winner. If he, that's but that's it for me. If Big he's in. backed Big by in. the board, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Now, I tell you what, though, if we are, if this whole transfer situation just collapses which I don't think it will. I think that it will just make a bigger gap between the richest and, and the poorest. But if it was, and we and, and clubs had to rely on their youth from their academies, we're going to be top, top two. If we could be top yeah. two, because I'm, very, I'm absolutely excited about our uh, academy prospects that are making their way into the team. And uh, it, it's more, well, not more exciting, but just as exciting as um, the 80s and 90s uh, when we had all those coming through. You know, Parler yeah. and uh, Michael Thomas and David Rowcastle and uh, yeah, we had so many coming through into the team, and I I feel just as excited about this lot coming through. And yeah. if we have to rely on them, I wouldn't be too bothered, to be perfectly honest. You know what? Well, I, one of the um, qualities of a good manager, one of the qualities, and it's a very important one, mm. is to get the best out of your players. Yeah. Well, I think he's got that quality. Oh, definitely. Think, definitely, and that really gives me a lot of hope for the future. You know, let's face it, what he's had to work with the last, well, six months of being an Arsenal manager, he's done very, very well. I know we're ninth in the league, but look where we were when he took mm. over. Our heads were down. We didn't come, we couldn't buy a win. And now we went into every game with a bit, we go to every game with confidence now. Yeah. You know, so he's, yeah. and also he will get the best out of these. He's a proper coach. He'll get the best out of these young players as well. He will bring them through. Mm. So, and yeah. I think the, the, the players that are a bit older, he will, Define them a little bit differently, and the young ones here bring through and here make better players. Like someone like Nelson, for example, mm. he's borderline at the moment. Nelson, I think, on what he's written, uh, Arteta, that he, he rates him. So let's see what he can do. I think he could possibly make Nelson a, a first-team player in a year or two. Oh yeah, definitely. Nelson, Nelson's got huge potential, and it's not just the. Our youth academy players like him and Saka and so on. But look at Martinelli. What a player we've got there. We need to hang mm. on to him. And that, you know, I agree. Uh, you know, but looking forward, I'm very optimistic because we've got yeah. a fantastic, fantastic um, group of younger players. We're quite a young team now, actually, aren't we? I Overall. think, Jed, I don't think I'm saying, saying it too strongly where I say that he could have saved Gwendouzi's sort of long-term prospects, personally, uh, Arteta, because I, yeah. he was absolutely desperate for some coaching. And um, under our Emery, Gwendouzi was just running around all over the place like a headless chicken, completely yeah. doing what the hell he wanted on that pitch. And I love the guy. I really do love Gwendouzi. Uh, I love his character and uh, his, his potential. But I think that... Arteta's just come into his career just at the right time because I think if he'd have gone on much longer under uh, Unai Emery, I think he would have created um, so many bad habits that would have been extremely hard to shake off. Um, yeah. So I'm very, really confident that um, he will blossom under, and not just him, loads of players. Yeah, I mean, Quinduzzi, like you say, he's very indisciplined. Yeah. And that will change and has changed under Arteta. So that's one of the, the things he can do. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to that. Mm. Definitely. I, I, and I think that um, he's been on... Um, uh, Reese Nelson, who we were talking about earlier, I think he's been very unlucky yeah. that 
he had a, a very bitty season, really, in and out the team earlier on, didn't he? Yeah. He had a bad injury. Um, yeah. But I think if he's got a good run in the team, that he will really blossom. Uh, I really yeah. do. Um, let's go through some of these comments just quickly. Um, I'll just catch up on some of these. Um, Ray from Arsenal Pan Circle Channel. We can't underestimate how much hunger and hungry players can pull teams through to win silverware. We need these kinds of players identified. And that is um, a really good thing about the bringing academy players through as well, because they're going to have that, aren't they? Being with the team so from such a young age, and I think that's going to show as they sort of uh, progress into the first team more and more. Um, unfortunately, we did not replace adequately losing Van Persie with Giroud, who was decent for us, but not the same quality. No, I, th I, th I think Giroud, I'm not saying he definitely didn't replace Van Persie. I think was, at that particular point, it's very hard to because he was a top quality player, wasn't he? But Giroud, I think... It, he was quite an underestimated player, and we talked about that Norwich goal earlier, and those sort of little touches he used to make in, around in and around the box. I think they were quite underestimated, weren't they? And uh, underrated. Yeah, and the winner, the winner in the whole final, when yeah. he took two defenders off to the right in the penalty area and then backheeled it into the space that Ramsey was mm -hmm. running into, and Aaron yeah. sent it into the bottom corner. It was, and he was a very good hold-up player as well, and he was a target man. So the goalkeeper kicked, kicked the ball out to Giroud. He would head it or get it and mm -hmm. hold it. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't, of course he wasn't around Percy, but, you know, he wasn't the greatest goal scorer in the world. And actually, when he was one-on-one -on -one with the keeper, you could probably bet your shirt he's going to mess it up. But, you know, he had lots and lots of qualities that were not, it's not really fair to compare mm. him to Van no. Percy. It's totally different player. Totally different totally player. player, yeah. I, I mean, I know it's probably quite a controversial thing for me to say, but I, don't, I have to say what I believe and what I believe, you know, personally, my opinion. I don't, I think I would, in lots of ways, and I don't, I'm not saying I don't like this guy, but I, in lots of ways, I, I would rather have a, a good Giroud over Lacazette in some, in some yeah. cases. Yeah. Well, now, Lacazette's had a very poor season. I'm not saying that I don't like Lacazette at all, you know, and last season, he was the best of a bad bunch, you have to say, um, in mm. lots of cases. He, he was our player of the year, but does that mean he's fantastically brilliant? I don't, I don't think so. I don't. I, I... Well, let's, let's face it, Andrew. None of our defenders are going to win Player of the Year, were they? No, <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, but, I mean, God, we go back to going back to Arteta and his magic abilities. I mean, blimey, what he's done with our defence is. But I, I said all along, they're not terrible, terrible players in lots of cases. Yeah. They, but they, they were just so exposed by um, yeah. the lack of tactics with under Unai Emery. Now. Let's go on to the last um, category, which is the film, to summarise what Arsenal means to you. Now, um, my one just uh, was a never-ending story, because I think, my, obviously, my relationship with Arsenal is a never-ending story uh, for the rest of my life. What would be yours? Uh, I don't know who needs to go first this time. I'll go to you, Melvin, first. What, should, what would be yours, film? Mine would be a Field of Dreams. Ah, oh, that's a good one, yeah. Very, very good one. Kevin Cosner. Yeah. Uh, no, really I'll say right, that's a good one. I mean, it's a good choice for that. I don't know whether it's a good film. I haven't watched it, but... Uh, yeah, a good decent film. Decent. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a, yeah, it's a good, a really good choice. What about you, Glenn? Well, it's, I'm going to go for another Arsenal film and another cliche. You probably should have warned me in advance 
no Arsenal songs and no Arsenal films. Oh, no, you can choose what you be, like. It's going to be Fever Pitch because I just identify so much with that film, yeah. especially the Colin Firth character. And I just, you know, I, I, I'm feeling the same emotions he's feeling. So that's my choice. Very true. Yeah, and I, I'm film. listening to, I'm listening to the audio book at the moment as well, which is. Uh, really, who read I've it? Read, it? I've read it a few it? times, yeah. But I, who, I'm just, who, who, who does the audio book? Is it Hornby? No, no, he's um, uh, what's his name? Um, Ryan Tut, Julian Ryan Tut, I think it's his name. Oh, yeah. There's a Ryan okay. Tut who is a football um, journalist. It, I'm thinking it must be his brother or something. There's not yeah, be that many Ryan Tuts yeah. <laughs> um, that are <laughs> around. Yeah, see his face. Yeah, it's, it's actually he reads it really well. Actually, he does come. Yeah. good choice. Um. Uh, stand the man. We need to bring through young defenders. I think the last one was Ashley Cole. Um, Rob, Rob Holding. Well, yeah, we're not bringing them through, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we've got the young centre half coming from France, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. Some yeah, here now. I'm very excited yeah. about that. Yeah, and I think Callum Chambers. I think Callum Chambers has a future as well. Maybe playing in front of the defence. I I love Callum. He was having a really good season. He was a shining. He light, was really. Yes, he was. I like him, and um, I'm not a lover of Callum Chambers. Well, I, he's a I think he's adequate at best, adequate footballer at best. He's the type of footballer when he does something good, you praise him. Whereas good players, exactly, the good players just yeah. do it and you get on with it. He's a perfect, perfect squad player, isn't he? I'm not saying he's a squad he, player. Yeah. I mean, he can fit in in so many places, and and once he does get into the team, he gives it his all, doesn't he? And I'm not saying oh, he's yeah, in the league. No doubt about that. Yeah. If he's a starter, you're not going to win the league with a player like Karen Chambers. However, I think I'd, I'd love to keep hold of him um, yeah. could, because he could fit in, like you say, Glenn in midfield, if needs be, as a defensive midfielder, right back um, and centre back. So, yeah, very useful. I do like him. I do like the guy. Yeah. He would have been um, better years ago when you're only allowed one sub. He'd have been perfect. Oh, perfect. I know. <laughs> I know. I think he did, yeah. He's the sort of guy who yeah. you chuck on in, uh, up front in the last few minutes as well. Playing striker, yeah. Claiming goal. <laughs> Will the club use the current economic climate as an excuse, legitimate or not, this coming window? I, I don't think it's an excuse. We're not going to buy anyone, Ray. I, I, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. all these rumours. It's just uh, ridiculous. I mean, and there's no one in the world who would love Thomas Party more than me because I've been going on about the guy for months but it's just not happening I mean anyone that thinks that we're going to give all our players or ask them to take a pay cut and then use that the savings that that creates to buy more players then they're just deluded you know and people have got to understand that uh, there's only the clubs that are owned by you know states or oligarchs or whoever uh, you know the richest of the rich Everyone else is not going to be able to go out and buy players like that. It's just not happening. So I don't think it's any kind of excuse, Ray, and it's my opinion. Um, we just don't going to have the money. Simple as that. Um, it could work both ways, though. Uh, I've said it before, we can either... Well, we won't get as much money for the players we need to sell. But I've said that, the players we want might might come down in value. But oh, it absolutely. doesn't just work out either. Yeah, Absolutely. But all it's going to take is the new owners of Newcastle to go out and buy 
I don't know, name the player. Say Thomas Party, for example, and go and yeah. meet his. And then it, it starts again because all the other clubs will try their best to try and start keeping up with them, won't they? Yeah. Like Cities, Chelsea's, Man United's, they're just going to follow suit and leave the rest behind even more. That's that's my fear. I would love the whole, you know, transfer system and player wages to come back to normality. But it's only going to take that one buy. Yes, right. For the, for the rest to start, oh shit, you know, we, we can't let this happen and try and start keeping up the Joneses yeah. again. Um, well, you know the way football yeah. finance has gone. Premier clubs are in trouble. And yeah. that's because whatever money they get, they spend. Because they're trying to keep, as you say, keep up with all the other clubs. So they, they don't want money in the bank, apart from us, I suppose. They want to actually, you know, keep up with all those other teams. Because if they don't do that, they come down the division. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, a few, I don't know, a few months ago, I don't know if it was before this lockdown or after, but um, my suggestion was that... Um, Instead of FFP, when these new uh, people come in and buy the clubs, whoever it is, uh, they should put down a bond payment, which is kept in some kind of trust. But I can't think of the word for it, but better, one of a better expression, like some kind of trust fund type thing, whereby they put a money a amount of money down, which covers the club in the advent of them either going broke or just walking away from the club or whatever. If, to protect the club from going bust, they should put the amount of money in to cover the club for two seasons. That covers all the players' wages and all the running of the club. And if they if they go bust personally, or if they decide to walk away, then that money's just gone. You know, and 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 at least then that club ain't going to go bust. And I think it's the only way of putting off people that physically can't afford to buy the club, or just you know just. It'll put people off buying it unless they're deadly serious, won't it? And uh, I think that something like that would, would help. Would help the my, of my, my, my sympathy with Premier League clubs is limited. I know some are going to be in dire financial difficulty, Bournemouth, Brighton, and so on. But look at the lower leagues. I mean, that's where we should be. That's where our sympathy should be. Oh, Championship teams. I don't know how some teams in League One and League Two are going to survive. No, I really no. can't see it. You know, with no games going on, because they rely on gate receipts. Exactly, you know, they got no sky money coming in. Not happening. No. Very sad. European European Cup. No, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's There's big money sad. in the Premier League. They're, you know, we're not poor. We're rich. And yeah. um, but those, that, you know, I think I think you know we could easily be reduced to two or three divisions instead of four at the end of all this. Um. I, yeah. Could I, be, I, yeah. I can. I. I I mean, there's a lot of talk about changing the lower leagues to north and south, you know, splitting them geographically. Um, who knows? Who knows? What could... yeah. yeah, there is. But, uh, but there's going to be other teams that take the place of Berry, And, uh, you know, the, I mean, Real, I think Real went um, bust recently as well. But that's very, very tip of the iceberg. And there's going to be loads of clubs, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah, um, Ray's put, will Lacazette come back like year one or will he be like last season? I think he's probably one of the players who looks to move on, won't he? He's one of the players who looks to move on. Because we could get decent money for him. And last season he had a, well, shocking season, didn't he? By by his standards. I think it's a shame. If you could could find a way of playing Lacazette and Aubameyang together and get the best out of both of them, 
it would be it would be quite magical. But it's a real shame it's not really happened. No, he's lost his confidence so last season. He lost his first yeah. touch was, and everything he tried, it just wasn't happening. No, he, he just you know once a player loses confidence, perhaps the break well, is come, good. If they come back, you know, it can come back. A couple of goals, you know. Yeah. I th I think that people don't take fully into account players' private lives either in these situations because we it's been well documented that he's had issues in his private life and that can really knock you, can't it? It can really you know, mental you know, the mental health and it's very prominent in the headlines a lot nowadays, but it can just be quite demoralizing when you in that sort of mess private in your private life. It's gonna affect your I, performance on the pitch. I don't know anything about his private life. What's been going on? Well, uh, you know, it's, it's out there on Google. Um, but, yeah, he was caught with his pants down, basically, with a a, a young lady who worked in a nightclub or whatever, and, and it was going on oh, for yeah. a long, long time. And he was... Uh, it was all found out, unfortunately. That's self-inflicted, though, Andrew. Sorry? Is he self-inflicted, though? You, it's of not course as if... it is. Absolutely. I, mean, I don't feel sorry for um, the guy. But exactly. It's self-inflicted, at all. It's going is he married? to... It's going to affect, he yeah, yeah. He was, yeah. yeah. He was. Yeah. With kids. Anyway, I don't, I don't, yes, I think, I think so. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. But um, it's going to affect well, his well, performance. Sort of thing, yeah, I mean, if you're on the pitch, that, anyway, not in bed. will affect you. I mean, divorce is very painful and it's, Absolutely. you know, emotionally draining. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But that's not our problem, is it, unfortunately? We need him to perform on the pitch. And if it's, you know, yeah. I, I hate to be a ruthless person, but he, like, you're, like you said, Melvin, it's his own fault. And we can't just carry people, can we, I'm afraid? Right. We need to... Now, um, I, I, have, I haven't done this in the last couple, but I don't know whether you guys uh, thought about it. I did actually put it on the, the details I sent across to you prior to the, the show. A luxury item they choose on, on um, Desert Island Discs. Now, it could be anything that you think of. Now, I don't know if you ever, you've ever listened to Desert Island Discs or whatever, either of you at all. Um, of course, yeah. What would your luxury item be that you take with you? Uh, I'll go to you first, Glenn. Oh, uh, easy. Completed works, complete works of Shakespeare. Easy. Yeah. Although I have got an Arsenal-related one. If you hang on, go to Melvin. I'll come straight back. Yeah, sure. I I didn't see that in the actual messages, then me. Doesn't matter if you haven't. Don't worry about it. And uh, I I, would, it, it will have to be obviously some some form of books on the basis that there's no electricity there. No, exactly, so, exactly. Say, um, books, books, books. Can't think for the moment. What What did you bring back, Glenn? Well, my daughter bought me for Christmas this bottle of Arsenal vodka. Oh, wow. So my luxury oh. item would be an endless oh, yeah. supply of Arsenal vodka. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Have you, have you tasted it? Yeah, it's all right. Not bad at all. What's that? Is it only last 90 minutes, that bottle? <laughs> yeah, but you, <laughs> get it endlessly, you get it endlessly refilled on your desert island. <laughs> That's fantastic. What I would like, oh, the book, I've read three books. The first one was called The Killer Artist. It's about a guy who's a spy and he's also an artist as a front. And he's a proper artist as well. And there's about 21 books, all with different titles. Oh, and I've read wow. the first three, and they're amazing. And I don't know how they're not, none of them are in a film. 
yeah. really, really good. I would take, I think it's about 23 of the, I would take them with me. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm really bored. I would take a Swiss Army knife, which has got everything <laughs> on it. And I would start make, I would start uh, teaching myself properly how to make, you know, things that I would, you know, like a Isn't chess, a chess, pe- chess board or something like chess pieces, everything, you know, I'll try and make a beautiful house out of wood and I'll try and create, become fantastic at carving. <laughs> I think that's what I'll do. Now, uh, quickly, before we finish off, just finish off some of these comments on here. Um, Ray says that he loves Fever Pitch, what a wonderful movie. I totally agree. Um, the book's better though, I believe. Chambers is a good squad player, like we said, I, I agree. The only way we splash 50 million on a player, says Stan, is this window, is if we pay on HP. Well, we'd always pay on HP, Stan, you know that. If a club are unable to back Arteta financially, are you saying the club should support our coach with patience? Oh, absolutely. But the worry I've got in that case, Ray, personally, is that he could quite easily be tempted away. People are going to be sweet, going around like vultures, aren't they? And I yep. think he's already enhanced his reputation even more than it was because of what he's done. And I'll just be seriously worried about losing Arteta. And I think if we, let, as a club, allow that to happen, then we should get rid of the guys that are making these decisions, personally. It's, we can't, Andrew. You don't have another programme on that. We can't. Oh, yeah. mate, honestly, I'd, just, I'd be devastated if we were so stupid to lose Saka and lose our and lose Arteta. Uh, just people were how saying, disappointing would that be? On the people were saying on the pods I've been on, like I'm on um, Sunny TV Arsenal, and we've had this discussion a couple mm. of times. They're saying if we get rid of um, a Bamiyang, oh, it shows you've got no future we've got no aspiration i reckon if we get with a that's 10 times worse oh i totally agree and matt and martinelli well you can name pretty much a lot of our uh, youth players it just shows that we'll give up then we just give up we'll feed a club yeah Yeah. and when i say about the guys making the decision we have to get rid of them i'm talking about raul mainly you know the little fat danny devito lookalike um or Jim Royal lookalike, if you've seen him lately. He's the guy I've got no faith in, unfortunately. He was going to give Unai Emery a three-year contract after the Europa League final. Right. That, oh, absolutely. He wanted to give him a new contract. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that made my belief in him, well, disappear completely. Yeah. I've got none. I've got no belief in the guy. Because that really worried me. Really, really worried me, that did. Yeah, that is true. Then he's the wrong man for the job. That was after yeah. the champion. Oh, sorry, the Europa League the final. Wrong man for the job. So that says it all to me. So I've got no faith in that guy. I just really, really hope that Edu uses his um, relationship with Arteta, which is very strong, and I hope that they work together really, really well. Um, and 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 another thing, just quickly, I know we've got to wrap up, but. Um, Raoul's relationship with all these super agents as well. And uh, I think we're going to be shocked when we see the amount of money we've spent on agents yeah. these uh, over the last summer. Andrew, also, he's got all these relationships with all the agents and just with the agents that he knows. Our window is much smaller to choose all these players. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we get given. We get, we, we buy what we're given. We don't go out and find... Oh, well, we do it. 
No, 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 that's worrying as well. So that, yeah. that along with the decision that he wanted to make, um, really worrying me, me, me about that guy. Really do. Um, so no faith in him whatsoever. Um, so anyway, if you, I'm going to wrap up there. So have you guys got anything else you'd just like to sort of bring up that maybe that we've been discussing? Anything else that you'd like to add on to anything before we go? No, I just round up what you two have just been saying. You know, we've got to keep Arteta. I think yeah. under Arteta, the future's bright. We've got some fantastic young players. Mm. Our team is relatively young, and it's not just the youth team players are coming through, but it is players like Martinelli, Guendouzi, and so on. I mean, Martinelli is going to be phenomenal, I think. Mm. And, you know, if we have any ambition at all, then we've got to make sure we keep them and we keep Arteta. Otherwise, you know, I, I agree with Melvin. We may as well just give up and settle for mid-table mediocrity for the next few years. That is not acceptable. Not going to happen. We will. I'm sure we will keep our test, and I'm sure we'll keep those players, and we'll go to great things. Yeah. Now, one one last thing I'll, I'll quickly go on to, if you two are okay, just for one more. I'm worried as well. Not how how would the club now realistically even try to keep a Bamiyang with a, a, a an improved contract? in the current climate, again, after asking everyone to take pay cuts and everything. How would that work morally? Football is not a moral game. It's not about morals. It's about football. I mean, it's, it's the but, only... Uh, yeah, but it, it's different now, though, isn't it? I mean, it should be... No, hang on a second. I'll, I'll rephrase that. Shouldn't it be different now, though? Because of well, what's everything's happening? I mean, if we can't could you really give them a rise? Really? No, I mean, to keep him, you know that he's got to. As much as he might love or not love the club, if he doesn't get a bigger contract, his large contract at the top level, he's not going to stay with us. He's not in love with us like that. He'd be off. And I don't blame him if he wants European football, if he wants more money, and we can't give him that. Fair enough. I don't think I'm not worried about him going. I'd love to keep him another two or three years, but it won't break our club in my no. eyes if we get him. No. It'll break my heart if we get rid of people like Saka and Martinelli. Me too. And yeah, I, I think I that agree. um did you, see the, did you see the did you see the telephone call that Ian Wright had with Arteta a, a few days ago? Fabulous. Now I totally, totally agree with Arteta when he says that you should never have to try and beg a player to stay or join. Yeah. We yeah. are the Arsenal. If they don't want to stay, if they don't want to join just because of <laughs> The fact that joining a club like Arsenal is a, is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for so many people, then let them go, as no far as I'm concerned. Let them go. Let them go. I don't, I I don't care. That. We are the yeah, Arsenal, and we're bigger than any player, yeah. any any manager, whatever. We we will still remain. So I've got no issue if players say, oh, I want to have Champions League football. Well, get us to the Champions League then, mate. That's what I say. Just get us there. Because we're not out of it either, you know. And when you when you got these players saying, "I'm going to leave for Champions League football," well, that that to me is really annoying. Really annoying, to be perfectly honest. You, might if, you're, if you're good enough in the Champions League, you should have got us there in the first place. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And also, so, when it comes to money, I know we all like to get the most money when we join um, an organisation, but there's got to be the hunger and desire there as well. Yeah, absolutely. Money shouldn't be the total. It should be fifty percent of the picture. And I, that's why I'm quite confident with Saka staying anyway, because I think he he will be able to see how 
bright the future could be under Mikel Arteta. And um, Ray's put that uh, he's had so many assists. Sorry, got that noise again. I don't know where it's... Um, yeah, Ray said that he's had so many assists for Saka this season. What's his best position, winger or left-back? And uh, he's, he's the winger. He's not a left-back. He's filling in at left-back. As good as he's been, I would I can't wait to see him in front of Tierney. And whilst they're so young, um, I'd like to just see Saka and Martinelli a bit rotated on that left-hand side. And I, but I'm very excited to see Tierney come back into the team fully fit. I think that'd be amazing. Um, Martinelli yeah, or yeah. Saka uh, in front of him. That left-hand side will be our left-hand side for the next seven, eight years. Amazing, you know. And I'd like to see... Um, possibly, if you're going to play more with the wing wing backs, I wouldn't mind seeing Reese Nelson on the other side uh, in in certain games to give him a try there because he he played that position a lot for England youth and the under twenty threes and under eighteen. Well, instead, instead, instead of Pepe, instead of Pepe. No, no, it's a wing back with Pepe in front of him because what Pepe yeah. needs more than anything is someone to overlap on the right-hand side. He, he hasn't had that. He needs someone to build up a good relationship with because I've, I've got a lot of faith in Pepe. I really have. And I think it's just taken him an awful long time to settle, which we don't like. But his quality's there for all to see as far as I'm concerned. And if he, he could build up a great relationship with someone on that right-hand side, overlapping him, crossing with his right foot, I, uh, not, I could not be positive. Yeah. I, I, I'm... Uh, I really hope, more than anything, that we see a very fully a fully fit Bellerin come back after all this because I, he hasn't been. Um, I think it's been clear to see that he's yeah, not been lost fit. his pace. Lost his yeah. pace, absolutely. I, I don't think that he's lost his pace particularly. I just think it takes an awful long time to come back from that, that kind of injury. And I think I that think um, we've underestimated it. Yeah, yeah, true. But I think that if the last few games he's played his first. When he got the ball, the first thing he did is give it backwards, give it sideways. Mm. He wasn't looking forward. And that's all confidence with me. Very much so, because that is part of the coming back from the injury, is mental issues. Yeah. Um, and the pace as aspect of it is that as well. And lots of cases, because um, he, a player is worried that it's going to happen again, men subconsciously or consciously, and yeah. they don't have... They don't want to take those sort of quick twists and turns or, or go at full pelt, because they're just really worried about it going in again and it just takes time to build that um, uh, confidence back because um, I've heard of interviews in the past with surgeons who've ca carried out that uh, procedure and um, I can't remember the late the girl, what is the Arsenal women's name uh, there's an Arsenal player in the women's team who's had the, the injury twice and um, fully explained that so she did a rehab with Bellerin as well and um holding and explained that that is the main problem is having the confidence in your own body to come back properly and um it, it does make a difference a big difference mentally so anyway um we've gone over we've overrun which i normally do if you're probably uh, used to my show i do apologize for that if you are both um got things to do but i really appreciate you coming on i've really enjoyed it i hope you have too i hope we'll see you again soon one day Absolutely. So, Glenn, thank you. Thank you ever so much. Thank really, really appreciate it. Uh, Melvin. Enjoyed it. Thanks. Yeah, thanks very much.
show. You've really enjoyed it and uh, very interesting, isn't it? Interesting. Now, both of your uh, contact details are in the show notes as well for um, your Twitter handles, etc. If people want to follow you. Um, thanks again for people watching. And thanks to the people that are listening to the audio version of this podcast, which is always available on all the major platforms. So please make sure you like, subscribe, etc. And tell your friends. Um, I really appreciate it. So thanks very much for watching, listening. And we'll see you again next week. Bye-bye. show. <laughs> <laughs>Thanks very much for listening. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. We really need your help to spread the word about from Dar Square to Where. So if you haven't done so already, please give us a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify. Subscribe to the From Dar Square to Where YouTube channel and hit the notification button so you never miss a live show. And finally, please tune in to the live shows. Don't forget, you can get the chance every week to be the star alongside Andrew and his great guests just for being the most entertaining viewer on the night. Thanks again and see you on the next episode. Bye!